Hello, lovers. It's your host, Kaylee Brooks, and this is Viscerally Me. Today, I want to get into something a little squirmy. Today, I want to talk about period shame and the stigma around our monthly moon cycles, our bleed. So I'm going to give you the option now. Consider this your fair warning. If this subject matter is beyond your comfort zone, no big deal. No pressure, my love. Come back when you're ready. I can't wait to hold you there. And for those ready to dive in and have a little chat around period shame and reclaiming that, letting go of that shame, exploring who it really serves, this baby's for you. So it's really interesting. I'm, I'm on my bleed currently and I'm doing a lot of reflecting and I've I've put some polls in my Instagram story and I think I got one response the first time and it's an edgy subject you know even women I know personally with women who I've given tampons to you know at work or you know out at a bar or you know socially who we've discussed our periods with for some reason it's a weird beast social media and we're in a weird climate right now I think you know there's kind of this collective bunkering that's happening this collective hunkering down um, in a way that you know tensions are high and so people are kind of circling the wagons right like feeling a lot guarded and uh, closed off but it's so interesting to me and it makes me so curious of even people we've shared stories with at times when there's something about being asked a direct question that kind of makes us feel perhaps put on the hot seat, hot seat, even though, you know, in an Instagram poll, I can't see you when you, when you stroll through, scroll through my story. I'm not aware you're doing it. <laughs> But it, it can still feel really hot seedy. <laughs> and it's so interesting to me. It just really makes me uh, lean into that and, and really want to figure that out and normalize that as well. But also, to me, it just speaks to how deep that shame really is. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, it goes at least as far back as to, you know, the first sex ed class we ever had in school. Um, for those of us perhaps with older siblings or what, what not, older cousins, it might have gone, you know, before we even went into it at school because um, we started to hear about it, right? Maybe we, I mean, I grew up, I'm 36, so, you know, ads were much different. 
um, back when I was a kid. I'm trying to remember if I can recall seeing like a tampon commercial or a pad commercial as a little kid. We also weren't allowed to watch a lot of television, so we were outside a lot and had a lot of, uh, you know, activities and stuff that we did. So um, they might have been on television. I don't, I just don't recall. But, you know, my first period was a nightmare. Uh, I felt horribly betrayed by my mother. Um, We were supposed to go out boating and I woke up and made this discovery and was mortified, not so much even by um, finding, you know, my period, but I had a really complicated relationship with my mother. And so the thought of having to let her know because I didn't have access to what I needed um, was what was so terrifying. And when I brought it to her and was like, you know, I want to stay home, please don't tell my dad and brother. She was like, okay, fine, but come out and say goodbye kind of a thing. And then announced it to them. And I just remember feeling such deep shame and such deep wounding and betrayal was, was terrible. And, you know, there was already this then layer of like further feeling like it needs to be secretive and it's shameful and embarrassing. And, you know, it, it further led to what, you know, I experienced so much as a child of like, our parents didn't really talk a lot of my friends, you know, like our parents didn't talk to us about sex and our bodies. And so it was kind of the blind leading the blinds, you know, and we'd share little snippets of stuff we had heard or overheard. And, you know, maybe we had a babysitter that would talk to us about it or something like that. But I mean, it was really abstract and really like telephone game you know, which can be wildly problematic and you get all these crazy stories and wild interpretations and it can paint really interesting pictures for your little innocent child brain and um, and then slowly but surely like more and more um, girls in school started to get it and we'd all talk and kind of share a little bit um, but sometimes not really, you know. Um, And then there's the teasing, right, of somebody getting it at school and being able to see it and how mortified they were and how vicious the other kids could be. And those wounds, man, if we don't really process them, they're still in there and we carry them with us until we process them. And if we don't, for likely the rest of our lives, you know, I still know women who have a really hard time or absolutely refuse to let sexual partners go down on them because their first experience around that, uh, they were shamed. And so, you know, it just makes me really sad on some levels. Um, And it also fills me with sacred rage as well because it's not just that we don't teach young girls about their bodies and what to expect in a really like safe and comfortable and nourishing and comforting way we also don't teach young boys and so they don't understand 
and they don't they aren't taught or incentivized to respect women and to honor that process and so they make fun of it and they belittle it and they tease and ridicule and shame and because they don't really have any other tools and I know growing up that they didn't really receive a lot of you know negative consequences for that either so it's kind of a perfect storm there and um, you know it ripples outward and, and builds and builds and to this day the fact that in my mind I look at social media and I'm like you can respond to a poll and even if you know thousands of people respond to the poll like nobody can see who responded to what like so there is a level of uh anonymity 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 um see an enemy of being anonymous and and not like standing up in front of a football stadium and and asking your question and yet it's so interesting that there's this deep shyness this deep secrecy still around around it around our bodies around our sexuality around our periods especially and one major step for me on my journey of kind of reclaiming um you know my my relationship with my womb and my moon time my bleed um was I quit hiding uh my tampons so uh you know I worked on film and television sets and carry a set bag and they're usually clear and I, you know, around that time and usually just in case, you know, anybody else on set or talent needs them, they'd be in there. But a lot of times, you know, I'd like put it in the back pocket of my jeans or tuck it in my bra or something like that. So I didn't have to like walk across the stage or to the honey wagon with it visible. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to make this one small step. I'm going to hold it in my hand. And maybe people don't notice maybe they will but i'm not i'm not going to carry shame with this i'm not going to engage in the act of hiding it because i'm not ashamed i'm a grown woman <laughs> we're adults here working in this environment all adult age people should understand that you know women have menstrual cycles and if they don't that's on them and the first couple times i did it it was edgy you know I I was nervous. It was uncomfortable. It was tense. Um, but the more I did it, the more it got easier to to do. And I did it with greater ease and without so much tension. And I've had some women, um, you know, reflect to me or celebrate to me like, I just love how you just walk around, you know, with that. It's It's really cool to see you just like not give a fuck. And it's like... You know, these lessons in early, you know, years ago instilled in me that it's like it was a big breakthrough for me to not engage in that like secrecy type of behavior. And it was kind of a, a really strong early example of kind of the ripple effect and how it's not just good for me. It's also inspiring other women to maybe consider doing the same thing. And, you know, that has 
grown and changed and I just recently made some vulnerable posts around my um around my bleed and this month I'm collecting my blood it's my last bleed of my 36th year and I'm really loving the divine timing of that I've just invested in some thinks and that will be a new journey that I'm also very excited about and I've talked publicly about it again for me to further lean into that edge of not carrying shame around a natural function of my body. And by standing up and letting myself be witnessed in that way, I am also making space for and possibly inspiring other women to to feel more comfortable um, discussing their period more openly and letting go of some shame that they may be holding around their periods. I'm currently working on a group container, group coaching container that I'm super stoked about that's going to have a lot to do with this, but it's just obviously very uh, reflective of where I am right now as I'm on my bleed and um, collecting my blood for the very first time. Um, You know, I've followed women for... A year or two now, um, more and more women who talk about their period, uh, make posts about it, do sacred ritual around their period and their bleed, have done period uh, blood facials, um, really edgy stuff. And I remember the first time I saw that and was kind of like, oh, fuck, that's intense, you know? Um, but also really fucking intrigued and really fucking like inspired and in awe of like, what a fucking badass queen to be like, yes, this is period blood on my face. And, and I guess in its own weird way, I mean, like where I am right now is a reflection and, and is an example of that ripple outward. And it's something that, I believe to be true that, you know, we, we influence people whether we are aware of it or not. Um, and that we have to see it to know that we can be it. And those brave women who uh, I followed years ago and continue to follow who are doing similar work um, inspired me to go on this journey. And they are kind of anchors for me in um, in going to these depths myself and allowing myself to be uh, publicly witnessed in this space and in this way. And, you know, the activist in me also gets curious and fired up as well of like, let's reverse engineer this a little bit and let's really put the patriarchy under the microscope a little bit and and ask ourselves why has so much time and energy and resources been devoted to keeping women disconnected from our seat of power our wombs really take a breath and really think about that massive campaigns on this in so many levels, big and small. The fact that I'm sure 
some people, some of you may be like, fuck, why is she talking about this? This shit's fucking weird. Who taught you to feel that way? The same way little kids, nobody's born racist. That's learned behavior. Somewhere, someone told you that periods were gross, that it's dirty, that it's shameful, that it's not to be discussed. That's something you were, you were taught, something you learned. It's not yours. You know, we don't, I mean, to certain degrees, I feel like socially, especially in the West, we have a lot of really puritanical hangups and um, shame around bodily functions. Uh, we see that in our, in fucking rom-coms and stuff all the time and memes and all this like poop shame and like, no, girls don't poop. Don't ruin that illusion for me, which is inherently sexist and patriarch, patriarch, patriarchy. But, um, let me not diverge too far with that, but it's really, it's really interesting to just reflect that back of like, you were taught to feel that way. You were taught to feel shame. You were taught to make, to feel that it's gross, to not want to look at it. That's programming. That's not you. And so if we know that, then you can make an empowered choice to say, I no longer subscribe to that belief. I'm no longer going to shame myself and I'm no longer going to shame other women or other bleeding people, other people with wombs. And it's a choice. And this is something I've talked about in other arenas as well, of like actively and passively supporting things. You know, it's you're passively supporting to a degree, like shaming other women when you're, well, you're actively, if you're saying, oh, gross. But even if it's in your head, that's passive. And it says a lot about your own relationship with your own body. And it, that part breaks my heart because, again, that was learned. You were taught that one way or another. You can be passively taught that, right? Like if, it's, if you don't get any positive reinforcement around it, then you learn to not do it. And you may have more explicit, like more active uh, ways of learning it, of being like, no, that's gross. You know, don't do that. Don't talk about that. Um, that'd be more active, obviously. Um, but I think like for me being in this place of like, literally we have the power to just stop fucking playing that game. Just stop fucking participating in this really toxic, hurtful, pattern of shaming ourselves and shaming each other and why wouldn't we stop doing that you know if we if we're coming from a place of love and unity and trying to be compassionate and loving I think we all really would be served to really reflect on where are the places that I carry judgment and I carry shame because 
much like a bully, and I know I've referenced this before, but it's like, that's a projection when you're judging other people. Because if you actually feel good about the choices you're making and you feel like they're aligned for you and they're, you know, you're in your integrity, it you're not bothered if somebody does it a complete 180 degree different way than you do. Because you're like, cool, whatever floats your boat, you know, like that doesn't work for me, but I respect that that's what works for you. It's really that simple in concept. Now, putting it in in action and in practice can be harder only because at first you have to counter all of that programming. You have to lean into that edge where all that years of training has told you, no, this is gross. No, that's not polite. No, this makes people, other people uncomfortable. It's like, you know, we sneeze. I mean, times of Corona, so things are a little more intensified because there's a lot more propagated fear right now. But BC times before Corona, you know, like you sneeze and you hopefully have always been someone who covered your sneezes and your mouth when you cough, but we all know that not everyone does. But again, it's kind of like, you don't have to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My body had a reaction. You know, like and bow out of the room and feel mortified and feel like you have to write a apology letter because you you sneezed or you yawned or God forbid you farted. You know, like obviously there are certain things that you have a little bit more control over, but to a point, you know, they're just bodily functions. They they don't carry any inherent shame. The shame we carry around those things is all learned. And the good part about all of that is that it all can be unlearned if we actively choose it, if we make a practice of choosing it. You know, we've also been so conditioned and indoctrinated to feel so powerless and to outsource our power to companies and um industries and institutions and all of this because that that makes us really really good consumers which are perfect little feeders for the capitalist market and the capitalist model which again I'll try to stay on track here but it's like you know think about that Follow that motive backwards, like I mentioned around like, you know, my true crime followers out there, like, look for the motive. Who does it serve to keep bleeding people feeling shame, feeling a need to keep it discreet? I mean, that's a big thing with so many period products of like, they're very discreet, very thin, discreet, keep it secret so no one knows. It's like, what? And it affects us on so many different levels. Like the shame is so insidious. It pops up in so many different places, but especially in our intimate relationships and in our sexual relationships. You know, there are grown ass men that won't have sex with a, a woman who's on her period. It's gross. And it's like, I mean, my fucking... 
(laughs) dark feminine is like, well, then I guess they just don't get access to the fucking temple then. (laughs) I I really wish more women would stop fucking men that don't respect our our bodies. But, you know, that's just me. (laughs) Oh, Um, but really, I mean, I'm kind of all in at this point. I'm like, I'm again around the 2016 election. I was like, I'm fucking done supporting bad behavior. I will not actively or passively fucking condone it. I will not be passively part of the problem. And when we let men around us make body shaming jokes, make period jokes, like there's, I you know, this gross one that's like, I don't trust anything that bleeds for seven days and doesn't die. It's like, cool, guess it's going to be you in your hand, bro, for the rest of your life. And for me, too, because while I'm just feeling spicy in my dark goddess right now, I'm going to say, like, let's all take a moment and remember where the fuck we came from. Every human on this planet today was grown inside of a womb, was carried in a woman's body. That was every human's first home. And I've challenged a lot of men with this and they get super triggered and I have to be careful because my ego sometimes can really get off on that. I'd be like, good, you should be triggered. Think about it. I'm not asking what hospital you were born in. <laughs> I'm not ask, asking where you live currently. I'm not asking about your childhood home. I'm talking about where is your place of origin, bruh? A woman's body. Put some fucking respect on that. And what if more of us took that approach? What if we didn't let disrespectful people, dishonoring people inside our bodies? It's a powerful incentive in a lot of ways. It's setting a message to ourselves. It's setting a standard. And it's also not condoning bad behavior. And sometimes people need that encouragement to rise. Like, hey, I think you're cool as fuck, but I'm not going to have sex with someone who disrespects women. Period. And... You know, that all starts with us. Like, we can't command that if we're disrespecting ourselves. And to a point, I'd argue that when we hide and harbor shame around a natural function of our body, are we being respectful? Are we fully honoring it? Are we fully loving ourselves there? For those few days of our cycle, whatever they may be, whatever that looks like, I don't know. You know, something to think about. And that's been a big thing for me recently. Like when, when I, when my tricky self-abandoning wants to show up, whether that's, ugh, I don't, I don't want to cook. Maybe I'll just order something, which I haven't been doing, obviously, in in these times. But, you know, I ask myself, like, wait a second, am I not worth that effort? And when I kind of challenge that self-abandonment, usually I'm like, nope, 
that's some bullshit. Of course I'm, I'm worth the effort of prepare, preparing a nice meal for myself. And if I do that for myself, then I, I have the ability to command that of a partner, of another person, of, you know, and it, it's so interesting because it goes beyond just our intimate relationships. Like whether it's you are being treated poorly by a boss or a coworker or you're overdue for a raise and they're giving you the runaround. Like if you're not comfortable standing up for yourself and really speaking your truth to power and saying like, I deserve this raise. Like they're going to keep, you know, in the corporate world, this capitalist world, they're going to pull one over on you unless you, you know, if you let them. And in a, in a really small, simple way, like reclaiming your bleed, reclaiming your period, not making it this, this secretive thing, this shameful thing is a powerful jumping point for standing in your power everywhere else in your life. And so with that reframe, I invite you to reflect like, how does that make you feel? Are there some areas in your life that you have trouble asking for what you need? You know, demanding what you deserve? Not tolerating less than that? Okay, and what's your relationship to your period? Can you find a connection there? If so, and if not, I'd love to hear from you. You're always more than welcome to reach out to me. And I'd love to get some feedback around this. Um, I know it's so edgy. Hmm. Even in this moment, I'm thinking, perhaps I need to create like a... Hmm, I don't, I'm not super tech savvy around this, but maybe like an email that's just for this podcast and maybe some kind of way to even give like anonymous feedback. But I also want to encourage you all not to need to hide in secrecy because that's a whole, that's so much of what I'm talking about here too. But perhaps like an email feedback thing for the podcast would be cool. Uh, Another way for you all to to reach out in that way I can kind of connect with you because I feel you listening and I love you and I'm so glad you're here but I'd like to be able to feel you like really receive from you and have this um be a little bit more of a two-way street and um yeah so I'll work on that but I just wanted to get in here today and share a little bit about my thoughts and feelings around this and put it out there and um, and speak to it. So as always, I thank you so much for being here, especially if you've stuck with me through this kind of squirmy conversation today. Um, I love you so much. Please know that you're never alone. And I'm just so grateful you're here. Take care, Uh, and I'll see you soon.